Hi, I'm Ann Barron, and you're listening to Aldersgate On Air. Welcome back, friends, to Aldersgate On Air. Thanks for joining us again today as we have an enlightening and informative conversation to share with you about an important but sensitive topic. And that topic is ageism. Ageism is a quietism in America. In reality, it often doesn't get addressed as often as other isms, though its prevalence is widely acknowledged. In fact, AARP research uncovered that advertising targeted at older adults is pervasively ageist and that 9 out of 10 people over 50 find advertising messages to be missing the mark. Our mission during this episode is to explore what constitutes ageism, why ageist assumptions are made, and how to better educate people on ways to avoid ageist thoughts, assumptions, and behaviors. Part of the Aldersgate mission is to call attention to ageism and help people see through the filters. And since Aldersgate's own Maria Hagedorn and Brooke Shelley are both loud and proud about tackling ageism head on, we've asked them back on the show to discuss it. But wait, there's more. We've got another special guest for you, Aldersgate resident Anne Barron. You're going to hear some really insightful things from Anne today as she shares her thoughts on ageism and the remarkable way that she is currently making the most of her time during the COVID-19 outbreak. So stick around for another adventure. You won't be sorry. Now please welcome to Aldersgate on Air, Maria Hagedorn, Brooks Shelley, and Anne Barron. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Glad Thanks for having yeah, absolutely. Well, it's your show, right? <laughs> so, Maria and Brooks, uh, your commitment to a comprehensive life plan community that provides a variety of services to people over 62 makes you both authorities on ageism. And you're exposed to this ism on a daily basis. And we're excited to talk to you about it. But first, a question we like to ask people, how old are each of you? And how old do you feel on the inside? Maria? I'm 35. And I guess it just depends on my mood. Sometimes I feel like an old soul and I feel much older. And then sometimes I feel like I stopped maturing at 18. <laughs> All right, Brooks, how about you? I am 53 and I, like Maria, depends on my mood. But I also <laughs> think I'm, I feel like I'm younger than she is. Yeah. Well, I've talked to you. So, yeah, I can kind of believe that. <laughs> is that an immature statement? <laughs> I'm refusing to answer that question. So, uh, and Anne, we're going to get to you in a second on that question. So, uh, so how long have both of you been focused on ageism? When did you become aware of the disparity? I'm sure you each have different perspective on this. Uh, so, Maria? So, I've only been in this industry a little over a year. But what really sparked my interest in coming into doing this work was... Um, probably about three years ago, visiting a family member at a assisted living facility and thinking to myself, wow, what an amazing life this man has lived. Um, he served in our military and led a family. And now we should really be celebrating these people for what they've contributed to our world and what it is today and all that they've done. And we should be doing more to do that. And so that's when I really first started to think about it in a different perspective and that's what started my journey, which led me here to Aldersgate. Okay. And Brooks, how about you? I, well, I guess we all 
kind of faced ageism at an early age, trying to figure out when our our older brothers and sisters could go do things that we weren't allowed to do because we were too young or or not mature enough. But like Maria, I really didn't focus on it as much until I, I got here. I came here just on a whim one night. I was here for a board meeting, a volunteer board, and came out and I had never seen Aldersgate before. I'd heard about it. I lived three minutes away. And two hours after the meeting was done, I was still here talking to one of the residents. And she was amazing. She was a spitfire. And her name was Kansas with a C. And she was very <laughs> clear to tell you that it's Kansas with a C. Right. She and I had some of the most qualified conversation I've ever had. And from that moment on, I realized there's, there's a story, multiple stories, and everyone around is just, we, we don't take the time often to, to find out. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really exciting to talk to somebody who's right there in the thick of all of it, hanging out with, uh, with Brooks and Maria all the time here. So I'd like to get your perspective on this. So how long have you lived at Aldersgate? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And for the sake of our ageism discussion, how old are you and how old do you feel inside? Uh, well, I am actually 88 years old. But I have to say, on the inside, I still feel like I'm about 19. <laughs> uh, sometimes when I go in to brush my teeth, let's say, and glance in the mirror, I think, uh-oh, there's a mistake somewhere. <laughs> because I don't look 19 anymore. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's the way I feel. And uh, I came to Aldersgate about four years ago because my husband had been uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I did not care for the, they told me eventually he'd have to go on a facility and I didn't care for the facilities in the town where we were. Also, we have family here. So I visited Aldersgate and it just didn't take any time at all to know that this was the place and it was. It turned out to be exactly as I hoped. And uh, good decision. Have you ever experienced ageism? If so, when did you first feel it? And when did you first feel that it was actually having an impact on you? Yeah, I do experience it from time to time. One of the lovely things about living in a place like Aldersgate, all of your friends are more or less your age. We do not feel any... Uh, in, in the least bit, do we look down on each other because of our age or in any, we just enjoy each other's talents and personalities. And we don't think about anybody else's age. However, when I go out um, and maybe someone helping me at a drugstore or a grocery store will call me honey or sweetheart or dear, that is anathema to me. I can't stand that because that's what you call two-year-olds. And this is a common dislike among people my age. I know the people mean to be kind and warm-hearted, but I always want to say to them, do you call everybody that or just people our age? So, but other than that, I 
really don't. I, I, I don't. Okay. I feel just like a person, like anybody else. Happen to be eighty-eight. <laughs> eighty-eight years young, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in your opinion, then, what do you think is the cause of that? Why, why do people use those phrases or words or approach you or others in that fashion? Well, I think that our society, our whole society, is based on the idea of you must be successful. And in order to be successful, you have to have three things, money, good looks, and youth. And uh, if you don't have those three things, you aren't going to live up to the iconic people in the movies, on television, in sports. Uh, and so I, I personally think that's where it comes from. Other cultures, it's very, very different, as you well know. Older people are um, revered and looked to for wisdom and so forth. But our, our society is not that way. That's my opinion. That's a very insightful statement. Um, I'm excited to hear that that's your perspective. I, I, I agree. I think that's fantastic that, that you are recognizing that there are those differences between kind of where we are and where other people may be. That's, that's pretty awesome. So uh, back to Maria and Brooks there. Um, what do you guys believe is the root of ageism in this country? It's funny because I, I think the exact same thing as what Ann said, um, or so similar, that our society puts so much emphasis and value on work, and especially our country, that uh, you're, you're, you are useful while you're working, and then once you're no longer working, or if you, were, if you are not working, then it, your value is not the same. And I I think that it's so backwards because so many societies have it the other way where all of what you've accomplished in your life and experienced, whether it's work, family, um, anything that you've experienced just adds to your value and to really just, uh, to really understand and appreciate that wisdom that you have at, at your age and to really honor and value the age and everything that comes with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I agree with Maria completely. The We seem so focused on value and diminishing value as people age, whereas Eastern cultures seem to have it right that you are actually more valued as you age and as you have experiences that can be utilized and learned from. But our media especially promotes youth and vitality and the, the notion that if you aren't young, then you aren't vital is completely in opposition. Every, every night when you watch TV, you see, put this cream on to retain your youth and look your best. Well, that's insulting. Uh, every, every wrinkle that I've got comes from uh, several stories, some good, some bad, but there's a story there, and it, it should be valued. We did a play not, not too long ago where a local gerontologist interviewed seven of our elders, and 
ended up doing a stage production based on the stories that were received. And it took seven different people from seven different demographics that all ended up here and had a bouncing common thread of their stories and how it was interrelated. And their commonalities were highlighted more than their differences. And we had everyone from a Rosie the Riveter to a retired college professor who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King to a housemaker to you name it. It was across the board. And until you actually sat back and listened to the experiences, you really couldn't see and appreciate the person for them versus the person that you see. Yeah, that's uh, it's it. You brought up a, a topic that I've talked about many times with people, which is the media and I guess the the stuff that comes out of the fancy glowing rectangle that is your television that tells you what you should look like, how you should behave, what you should be, you know, perceived as. And it's often paints a very not realistic picture of how people actually are. So that leads to other rabbit holes of people, you know, feeling like they're not up to par, which clearly is not the case. So uh, that's a definitely a great call out. And it starts influencing people in that way when they're quite young, watching television, watching sports, whatever. They, they want to emulate what they're seeing. And that just grows uh, inside of them as time goes on. So, Anne, the philosophy of positive aging says that we should embrace age and not look away from it, but rather approach it with anticipation for being a really good time in life. Uh, do you agree with that statement? I think, I think it's a little bit uh, looking through rose-colored glasses, a little. I do think there is a lot about this time of life that's great, but I don't think a whole lot of people actually look forward to it. Okay. Uh, it might be a pleasant surprise when you get there. But uh, when Maria mentioned working, uh, I absolutely loved every day that I got up and went to work, loved being a teacher. And uh, when I had to retire uh, because of my husband's illness, I thought, well, I had a feeling for a short period of time, well, I'm not anybody anymore. But that didn't last long at all because there are many, many other things to do besides a job that you've been doing for a certain length of time. And so I do find that there are many good things about it, but I'm not sure too many of us looked forward to it before we got here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, in your opinion, is there somebody uh, that you look up to? Is you Is there somebody who you think is doing well with this, an iconic person, um, anybody come to your mind? Yeah, uh, just some everyday people that I think are getting the most out of every day of their lives as much as they can. And then I think of, if you want a famous person, I think of the Dalai Lama. He's moving along in years and seems to be just getting more all the time out of life. And then there's my own grandmother who continued to um, play the piano publicly and do all kinds of things until she was 90, in her, well into her 90s. So I've known, and there are more. Those are just the ones that come to mind right away. 
Oh, that's amazing. So as a person who embraces this time in life, how do you spend your time? We're especially interested in your thoughts on making the most of this particular period, you know, during COVID and the social isolation elements, you know. So what are you doing? How are you making the best of it? Well, um, where I live in a retirement community, uh, we are locked down and can't go anywhere, nor can we have visitors. So we do find things to occupy our time. And our staff here is wonderful about coming up with various activities and so forth. And, but I personally, um, I love to read. I like to cook. Uh, although I get marvelous meals here whenever I want them. Um, and I've been taking courses from an organization called edX. And um, these are courses taught by really terrific schools like Harvard and Yale and Stanford and MIT, all kinds of topics. I just finished one today on Handel's Messiah and the Baroque era, which I just loved. It was wonderful. And we go out, walk, we go for long walks, uh, talk on the phone quite a bit to our families. So really, um, I have to say, I do occasionally, of course, get lonely for my family, but I don't get bored. You actually touched on something that, that I kind of wanted to bring up as well, which is the continuing education portion of things. As we're going to talk about ageism for a second, you know, People don't always think that as you get older, you want to continue that education. There's kind of that stigma that, you know, going to school and going to college is like a quote unquote young person's game. But clearly that's not the case because you can continue education throughout your entire life, whether or not it's for a professional reason or personal enrichment. So for you, it sounds like this is really more of a personal enrichment thing. So then I'm curious, the idea of kind of pursuing further, I guess, education for pleasure. What got you interested in that? Um, once I turned on to going to school, which took until I was a junior in college. Before then, I'd been just having a great time socially. But anyway, once I turned on to <clears throat> putting a little effort into it and, and seeing what I could learn, I just loved going to school and learning. And um, I had not finished college because my husband was a year ahead of me and we married when he graduated. But I went back and kept going back <laughs> and um, enjoyed, enjoyed it all. And you ended up getting your <laughs> master's degree, correct? Well, actually... I got my master's, but my last degree was my doctorate when I was 81 years old. (laughs) And I tell you that so that other people might be encouraged. It's never too late. It's never too late. I had a great time doing it. And, um, you know, it's just another one of those things that I was fortunate uh, and the opportunity and being able to do it. So. And the classes that you're currently taking, who is offering those? Was it through Harvard? Actually,
actually, it's an organization called edxedx.org. Okay. And you can go online, and they have hundreds of courses, and in every kind of topic. And yes, Harvard is one of the schools, but there are many more. And the beauty of it is they're free. So um, this is something that's been going on for several years now, and uh, I've taken quite a few courses from them, and they're just terrific. And what's the next course you plan on taking? I'm trying to decide now whether it's going to be 18th century opera or 19th century opera. (laughs) (laughs) Tough choice. I guess you have to take both. Yeah, I think I will. (laughs) I'm into music these days. Well, that's great. I'm into music as well. So uh, that's why we're such good friends, right? Absolutely. For sure. So uh, Maria M. Brooks, same questions Uh, I guess, for you. How do you guys spend your time? Uh, What are you doing uh, during this? Uh, And what are your thoughts to, you know, make the best of the situation right now? So for me during this um, situation, I I think it's really not, I'm in a really unique situation because I still get to come to work and seeing on social media um, people and my friends, listening to them talk about how they're at home and they don't get to leave the house, and they are trying to balance homeschool with work. Um, even my husband's working at home with the kids at home, and it's he's begging me to be the he wants to be the one who's going to the grocery store on the weekends just to get out of the house. So uh, I still get to have the luxury of a routine of getting up and coming to work, and it's really different here. Um, because the residents aren't out like they normally are, but I do find it, um, I, I'm just really happy to be able to be here and contribute and serve in, a way, in the best way that I possibly can. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Brooks, how about you? Uh, Maria said it perfectly. We, we are blessed to be able to have a routine and come to work, even though it is different from seeing the usual activity and vitality of everyone out and mingling. And it's, it's a very social group. It's a very social setting. So having to sequester and go into isolation and then try to help everybody stay connected has proven to be an interesting experiment for us. We are relying on technology quite a bit and creating things that we can have fun at a distance with. And in a group that's typically a bunch of huggers, that's kind of hard to do. <laughs> um, it is interesting to me as well, the, and Maria hit it, of social media and all the folks that are stuck at home and watching the comments of isolation and stir craziness. And back to our ageism comment, as a society, that's what we do to our elders. We isolate them. Yeah. And if we can take anything away from this entire episode in history, it's to maybe have a little bit more understanding of you don't have to isolate people just to cope, just to move on, just to maintain a lifestyle. Encourage the engagement and, and just not isolate as much. It is a proven fact, and we can quote all the reports we want to, that isolation leads to depression and 
multiple other things. So we are, we are constantly looking for new and different and fun ways to get everybody engaged, including our team members. It's a, it's a really tough time right now for caregivers and healthcare workers to remain motivated and still be able to go home to their families and feel like they're safe going home to their families and that they're providing for their families as well as providing the care to others. So um, hats off to all of them. Yeah. And, you know, you guys all touched on one thing that I think doesn't often get brought up as it relates to ageism, but y'all are very forward thinking in regards to using technology as as a mechanism to kind of keep those communications open. And, you know, I think there's a kind of a preconceived notion out there that our elders don't understand technology. They don't want to use it. They're not familiar with it. And hence they resist it. I don't see that as being the case, especially at Aldersgate. And how do you feel about that? You seem to be pretty connected technologically. You use, you guys all have tablets and, and things like that. And you mentioned that you're talking on the phone quite a bit. How do you feel about that? Well, I think uh, when I was teaching, I had to learn computers and I'm delighted that I did. I'm not any, I'm anything but an expert, but I certainly can use a computer and an iPhone and an iPad and my Kindle and FaceTime. And that's very important right now to get together with your family and good friends who are far away. But if I may, I want to comment on something Brooke said uh, that the staff here is trying to make things as normal and fun and interesting as they can be, and they are succeeding. This is one fantastic staff. I mean it. They all go way above and beyond. And we, meaning the residents, we get out. And I walk, as I, I think I already said, I walk with a friend every day for an hour. We stay six feet apart, we wear masks, but we're out there pounding the pavement. And then we get together and sit six feet apart and talk in small groups. And we, we aren't totally isolated. Uh, we can get out and we do have a good time. And Brooks and Maria and the rest of the staff come up with ideas for us that I wouldn't have thought of in a million years, and we've had a great time with them. So we're lucky. We are very fortunate to be here. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. Uh, Brooks and Maria, what are your thoughts on on technology and how important it is right now? So for me and my team here in the sales and marketing side of things, it's extremely important because as soon as we started to put these restrictions in place, we had to really shift gears quickly to be able to continue to engage with prospects who either were in the process of learning about Aldersgate or new people that we haven't reached yet. So it's so important for us and this team here to be able to have in-person interactions, people come in for appointments and tour, people who come for events because to make a decision like you do to come and move to a community like ours, you want to be able to see and walk around and touch 
And so we had to shift and pivot quickly. So one of the ways that we did that, or the main way that we've done that is through technology. We shifted to virtual events immediately. We started doing virtual appointments and having our sales counselors walk through the common areas or tour a cottage or an apartment that they're interested in uh, using FaceTime, using Zoom, using Skype. And it, we wanted to make sure that we didn't lose the momentum that we had because we can't have people here physically. And so for us, it was a huge shift that we had to make quickly. And then also for the prospects that we've been engaging with, they also had to quickly learn if they didn't already have those resources to be able to do that. And the great thing is, is our team here will do a call, talk through it with um, the prospects, show them how to use it. And they've all, I would say the majority of them have been really receptive to doing that. Oh, it's amazing. And Brooks, I'd like to know, I guess, then what is your perspective uh, as you, I guess, uh, provide everybody, the residents with the, the technology? Do you feel like it's being used consistently? Has it been received well? Are you having to have major training episodes to, to kind of get people involved in this? Or has it just been really an easy integration? It has been, it's been an interesting experiment as well. We we provide each of our residents with iPads when they enter the community. And we use an internal app called Wellzesta that has the calendar on it, the menus on it. Uh, we can put links for things. So we have intentionally tried to up the usage of that, especially during this time, and utilize that. And it has been remarkably well embraced by the residents. The FaceTime aspect, especially in some of our care areas with family members that really want to come visit, but they can't, the FaceTime app has really made a huge difference. Um, I was actually trying to help one gentleman with it and just show him because he never used FaceTime. And he got logged on, started talking to his granddaughter and looked at me and said, well, shit. (laughs) That moment of realization was everything. He was so excited to see her. But we have, we've we've provided, like Miss Ann said, we're thinking of ways to provide different items and different interesting things that would appeal to just about anybody. We're putting virtual tours out on the internet and from the internet and putting them out there for our residents to click through and see museums and then places of the world that they've never been or may never go. Places that most of us may not be allowed like in the, the pyramids. And so each day we put more and more and more out there to the point that when I get home from work in the evening, some of the times I'll log on to them just to, to take the tour because it was interesting to me and I didn't have time to go through it earlier. Yeah. So in all of your opinions, then, it seems that the common theme is that technology is, once again, not just a quote unquote young person's game. This is really fully integratable for everybody to use. Absolutely. Yes, there are a few people my age who never have been exposed or very little, and they will just ask quite often for a little bit of help from a peer and just show them a couple of things and they've got it and they're delighted to have it. And 
it, it ends up working just fine. Love it. So, uh, Maria, I, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, the conversation about ageism often focuses on externalized ageism, meaning, you know, what we see as ageism out in the world. But, you know, I'm curious about the concept of internalized ageism. So what do you think about this idea that the worst kind of ageism is the kind that we impose upon ourselves? Well, I thought this was an interesting question because we're all our own worst critics, right? Right. So it's kind of like what Ann had said earlier. Um, I know I'm 35, but, you know, I look in the mirror sometimes and I think to myself, wow, when did that happen? Or <laughs> you look at a picture from, you know, five years ago. more years. <laughs> I know, but, you know, I thought to me, I think that when you're younger, like in your your teenage years and then your 20s, you feel invincible, like you're never going to age and 40s so far away and 30s so far away. And then you get to 30 and you're like, okay, you know, 30 is not, 30 is really young now. But then I look in the mirror and I'm like, wait a minute, that wasn't there before. That wrinkle wasn't here before. And I know, I know I'm only 35, but it's just this slow um, criticism that you have when you look in the mirror and start to notice things different. And I think it just goes back to that we're so hard on ourselves um, and to take that on. And then also just to be, you know, at my age, I think a lot about, especially now being here and seeing and talking to residents and some of the things that I heard really early on were talking about how um, people have spent their lives. And my favorite thing is to listen to people talk about their families and their careers and the places that they've traveled and the things that they've done. And for me, it almost is like, okay, wow, what I need to make sure I get everything in. How do I get everything in, in my life that I want to do? And, um, and I have a relationship with my grandmother, her and I are very close and she is 93. And she says, I still have so much I want to do. You know, I want to make sure that I give you girls all my recipes. And so I think that we um, put that pressure on ourselves to uh, make sure that we're doing, I think I do at least, I put this pressure on myself to make sure that I'm tracking along so that when I am living in a community like this, I can look back and say about all the wonderful things I've done in my life. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Brooks, a follow-up question about that then. What do you think the role that Aldersgate can play in both internalized and externalized ageism? Aldersgate can play a role. That's a great question. Aldersgate can play a role in helping others see what they want to see and, and achieve what they want to achieve. We make a, a intentional exercise of exposing people to things that they typically wouldn't have seen before. And our diversity, inclusion, and equity work brings a lot of different diverse thoughts and people and feelings into play that most people typically wouldn't, and from other cultures where aging is viewed differently. Part of my role is to go to the external community and bring them in, so to speak, but now that's changed. We typically host outside groups to come in and hold their board meetings here, especially 
our east side neighbors and any type of immigrant or refugee or minority group, we want them here. We can't do that now. And that exposure is lacking right now on our campus. So we're, again, using technology to make the most of those relationships that we build and make sure that those intergenerational aspects are still achieved through whether it's mentoring with our elders, with young school children, or the immigrant after school that we have on our campus, or the middle schools, just getting that intergenerational aspect of actually honoring your elders for who they are and all that they've achieved. And the same can be said in reverse. I think our elders get as much from the kids that they're tutoring as the kids do from our elders. That's a great perspective. Well, I think we've tackled quite a bit on this topic today, and it's definitely a hot button for a lot of people, but I think it's important to discuss. So I want to thank all of you for discussing this with me today. Are there any other comments or thoughts that you wanted to put out uh, today regarding this topic? I have one more. Uh, When I started here a little over a year ago, I had a conversation with a resident and she was telling me about all the things she had scheduled for that day. And I said, wow, I think you have a busier day than I do. And you're retired and you're supposed to be retired. And she said, yes, the difference is now I get to fill my day with all the things that I want to do and what's important to me. And I just thought to myself, what an amazing outlook to have that now you have this time to choose how you spend it. And she was doing amazing things, volunteering, helping with the reading program with the schools. And I just thought that's something that is something to really look forward to. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool for sure. And one thing to that same point, Maria, we have noticed that that just the name retirement community isn't accurate anymore. We have people here that are still working. My mother is 86 and she still works every day. And people enjoy their work. They, they draw a lot of energy from it. So we have folks that are here that aren't retired. They just enjoy being here with no home maintenance and a sense of community and they can go do their thing. They're perfectly fine, but they they are programming their lives and doing what they want to in the order that they want to, which is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's, that's a, a great thing that you brought up, which is the terminology that we often use is so outdated. And for whatever reason, it's just stuck with us. But the reality is we're probably looking at having to re-identify how, how we view things just, just based off the, the times are a-changing. I was going to say exactly what Maria said, uh, and that is she talked about how she keeps thinking she's got to do this, she's got to do that because she wants to get it all fit in. I can remember being able, wanting to and being able to do 10 things at once. But the beauty, one of the beauties of being the age that I am now is exactly what your friend said, Maria. Um, I am now doing things because I want to. I'm taking courses on the Messiah, on Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, on anything else I'm interested in. I'm doing volunteer work that makes me feel that I'm not just helping, they're helping me too. 
it, in other words, life changes from I've got to be here at this time. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. To Isn't it wonderful that I can now have time to do this and that and whatever gives me tremendous pleasure and maybe, maybe help somebody else just a little bit too. Well, Anne, thank you for joining us today and giving us a really, really, really amazing perspective from the inside on ageism and what that really means. And Brooks and Maria, thanks to both of you for joining us today to kind of engage everybody on this topic. Uh, This has been an absolutely awesome conversation, and I look forward to talking to you all again very soon on Aldersgate On Air. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And thanks, of course, to all of you out there in Radio Land for hanging out with us once again. Don't forget, we're still looking for your comments, ideas, thoughts, and questions. So send those emails to onair at aldersgateccrc.com, and we'll be sure to include those tidbits of wisdom to make the show as epic as humanly possible. So until next time, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon on Aldersgate On Air.